and welcome to another exciting edition of the 55-1 podcast. I'm Jeff Reuter, and on the line with me here from Philadelphia is Alex Schieferdecker. How are you doing, Alex? Hey, I'm doing good. How are you? Good. Are you actually in Philly proper? I always introduce you as Philadelphia, but I'm supposed to never I'm in ask. Philly proper. Yeah, West, West Philadelphia. Born and raised. Great. Exactly. Fantastic. Uh, Wes is not here this week. He's weighing an offer from the Chinese Super League um, that would quintuple his salary that he makes on the 55-1 podcast, and so he needs to recollect, figure out what's best for him and his family, and decide if he's heading east. Yeah, talk um, to his agent. What would you do, Alex? I mean, it, it sounds like it's a big offer for Wes. What would you, uh, I mean, he's got a doctorate that's, that's only worth more in the Chinese podcast market. I I think it all comes down to where in China you're based. We always refer to China as just China, but it's a huge country. There are some parts of it which are really beautiful, and some parts of it probably kind of suck. So I think it depends on where he's headed. Uh, knowing Wes, full of pollution, he's going to be the most polluted part of China, um, and he's going to try to make it clean. So um, everyone send your best wishes to Wes as he's weighing off his offer. I think it's a big change for him if he takes it, but... Uh, who knows, he'll probably be back in the starting 11 storing goals against next week. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about this week. We are going to be talking a little bit about the world of soccer, both domestically and internationally, in our whip around called The Good, The Bad, and The Weird, where we're going to look at Christian Pulisic, Ian Harks, Arsene Wenger's pissy fit, and a lot of confusion for Rosenball Sport New York. We're going to talk about Minnesota United having three times as many midfielders, it feels like, over the last 48 hours how the signings of Ibsen and Brent Coleman fit into the plan, the drafting of Tanner Twellman, the preseason, which was just announced. Tanner Twellman? Tanner Twellman. Tanner Twellman, <laughs> you're right. Tanner Thompson. It is Tanner Thompson. <laughs> Can you imagine? There's probably a Tanner Twellman somewhere in the world. I'm going to look him up after this. Um, and, then, and then we're, as always, going to take some time for some listener questions, which came in, too, through Wes's Twitter feed. So thanks, Wes, for not protecting your mentions if that's a thing you can do uh so we got a lot to do here uh if you do enjoy what 551 does by the way uh make sure that you share our stories with the world you've got to be able to reach west when he's over in china so share the stories with the world on facebook uh twitter is such a niche market that if we're able to get the stories shared with your friends on facebook uh, it reaches a brand new audience which really helps us post them on reddit if you like them get that karma uh share them on twitter we greatly appreciate that and make sure you subscribe and rate this podcast we're all over. If there's a for, if there's a format for listening to podcasts that you wish we were on, tell us. We'll get it on there. Let's go ahead. Let's cue in big quarters. Then great, and they let us use their music, so we're gonna use their music. Welcome back to the Fifty Five One Podcast. I'm Jeff, and on the horn with me is Alex Schieferdecker, and we're going to do our quick whip around of domestic and international soccer that doesn't have to do with Minnesota most of the time, called the good, the bad, and the weird. And let's start with the good, as we usually do, which is that Ian Harks, the son of John Harks, uh, former captain of the U.S. national team, uh, dynamite on the field, dynamite in the sack, was made a homegrown <laughs> for D.C. United. Ian was, not John. Um, that's a huge get for them, actually. I'm glad they were able to get Ian. Well, the, what people were saying about him was that he would have been one of the top draft draft picks, if not the top draft pick, if he had he been in the draft. Obviously, he wasn't. He was he was negotiating this homegrown deal with DC, but he apparently made a really tremendous impression in the College Cup. And it sounds like DC have a really dynamic young midfielder to to build over long 
built around, which is something you, you know, dynamic young midfielder is not words normally said about DC United, but, <laughs> but this is clearly a big pickup for them. And I'll be interested to see, first off, how many minutes he gets. They just traded, this is actually something that does tie into Minnesota. There's a lot of thought that his spot on the actual senior roster was partly made clear by trading Colin Martin to Minnesota United earlier, um, and then they were able to shift some of the focus in their homegrown budget fully to Ian Harks. So, um, you're welcome guys from Minnesota, we know that we made it possible for you, but it'll be interesting to see how many minutes Ian can get right away. Obviously we've seen homegrown players like Jordan Morris, who were starters from week one, Matt Miazga, who worked in the starting lineup pretty quickly, Bill Hamid, who, when he's healthy, and now it sounds like he's injured again, didn't he just get another couple month injury and has to retreat from U.S. national camp, do you remember? Yeah, well, he right, he got called up to a national camp, which means that it was his time to get his yearly knee injury. <laughs> um, you gotta feel sorry for the guy. Yeah, um, I just, but you know, mm. I, I guess like DC if DC have this pretty good homegrown history with Bill Hamid and Andy Nahar, but but they haven't produced a player like that in a while, and so maybe Ian Harks represents a a turnaround for them. We'll see. Between getting Harks and then being able to lock down Luciano Acosta to a full time contract instead of having him just on loan. Um, things are really looking up for DC United, who are actually one of the hottest teams in MLS over the last month or two. Totally overshadowed yeah. by Seattle. Um, the hey, other speaking about uh, yeah, speaking about young, exciting prospects. Um, Christian Pulisic re-signed with Borussia Dortmund until 2020, um, which is really exciting because I was desperately hoping he would stay there and not go to the Premier League or something. Something where he would just stagnate and yeah, what were the shrivel two, up and die. <laughs> what were the two clubs we heard? Stoke? Liverpool just, was the one we heard a lot of. Liverpool yeah. was the one where Klopp it was like, went there. yeah, he'll be the 10th winger for Liverpool because their entire team is wingers. It's like, Liverpool is like the Tampa Bay Rowdies of the Premier League. <laughs> only Ex- wingers. Explain. Only wingers. A lot of players that make a ton of sense and they... T- uh, like on an attacking basis, and they totally forget about the defense every year. Um, mm. Don't at me, Dan Mick. Um, so Polisic staying in the Bundesliga, I agree with you completely, Alex. I think that that's the right move for him. Um, it's just fun. That Dortmund team is so damn fun to watch. Um, yeah. Who's the other they guy? A, they, they just yeah, signed they another made, guy, right? They made it more fun. They they added a guy, Alexander Isak. He's a, a Swedish. He's like 6'3 and still growing. He's just this lanky string bean of a striker he's 17 years old um mm. i can't wait because tuchel will play him immediately you know i can't wait to see these guys on the field he and usman dembele are both like tall sort of slenderman type players and they're just gonna go around and kill people it's gonna be pretty incredible it's great if you thought slenderman references were dead you have not listened to the 55 <laughs> podcast let's move on to the bad uh ryan mason fractured his skull holy shit in a collision with gary Cahill. he's okay he's taking visitors two days later in his hospital he's talking about his recovery process what's going to be ahead and that he's fine but uh, i don't know did you write this note or was this wes because wes actually no this i was wrote wes. that you i wrote didn't this. i didn't see it but i i made the mistake it's of watching those... afterward it's brutal really oh my see, god with injuries like that and this is something that's always kind of been uh just a part of me i'll hear like Willis McGahee's knee totally went outside, or Kevin Ware's leg popped out of his skin and became all skeleton-like. I'll hear things like this, and I was like, you know what? I don't want to watch that, actually. I think I'm going to sit it out. Um, 
I don't know if that makes me ignorant or if it just no, means that I, I I'm, like keeping my dinner. But I'm 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 with you. It's just and and I guess knowing how, you know that it was a really bad injury sort of makes it worse. At, you know when you watch it after the fact. But oh yeah, I mean it was yeah. Gary Cahill comes in comes in like a cannonball and just goes. Oh man, it's brutal. It's Did and, Cahill, and get a Cahill card got hurt too. I, oh. I I don't know if Cahill got a card, but they were both. I mean, it was just like, as soon as it happened, I mean, all the the players and the referee didn't even wait. He was in motion for the stretcher immediately. It was like, it was, it was, it was pretty serious. It was reminiscent of the, of the Petr Cech. um, Oh, uh, yeah. You know, same kind of injury, but, but this, this one was more obvious because it was two guys going up for a header, whereas Petr Cech just got, you know, hit by someone's knee, I think. Yeah, I don't need that. I don't anyway. think I'm going to look that one up. Right. Uh, F- funny or bad news? Funny or bad news, Arsene Wenger uh, goes senile, punches the fourth, or punches, pushes the fourth official. Um, just dumb. I don't know, man. And then the team wins because it's Arsenal, and go figure, they're going to get like a, a 90th minute PK, um, yeah, which I, I was don't... happy about. That was the difference between my fantasy team winning and losing that week, and this is a league for money, so I actually care about this one. Um uh... So thanks, Alexis. I don't care about whatever Arsene Wenger or Jose Mourinho does. It doesn't affect me in the slightest. If Antonio Conte actually started doing the tango on the sideline, I'd totally care, though. That that guy, I don't know what it is. Like, Chelsea, fine, I get it, but I love he's my favorite manager in the world. Do you, remember, do you remember when Alan Pardew went, started to, like, shimmy and dance yes. on the sideline after Crystal Palace scored, and then they get... Ended up losing that game horribly. Ended up but... losing that game and he lost his job. Yeah, it was oh, great. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, long, viva Alan Pardew. Keep on dancing. Um, let's move on to the weird, as if that wasn't weird enough. Confusion <laughs> reigns for Rosenball Sport New York, where Empire of Soccer reports that Jesse Marsh and Ali Curtis, uh, the head coach and tech director, respectively, of New York Red Bulls, disagreed on whether Felipe or Dax McCarty would be used as trade bait doesn't sound like anyone really knows if Ali Curtis is still in his job after this one. Um, this is in reference to the trade that was made last week that we talked about a little bit on the pod, where Dax McCarty was traded for $400,000 of allocation money, which has yet to be used one week later. Um, I guess if you're running a team, uh, specifically the Red Bulls in this case, and you decided you had to part with one of your midfielders to get room for Sean Davis to play, would you have traded Dax McCarty or Felipe? I can see both sides. I'm kind of just baffled that this is happening. I mean, yeah, okay, they haven't won MLS Cup, but they have been the best team in MLS in the past four years, actually, mm-hmm. I think. Um, I feel confident in that. Maybe it's maybe it's not true, but, but no, they've been up there. that goes back to Thierry Henry. Yeah, the, I'd agree with you. Yeah, with the Mike Petke two years were very successful, and then the Jesse Marsh two years have been very successful. Mm-hmm. So, and, and MLS Cup is like, it's kind of a crapshoot. You know, it's a playoff format, and weird stuff happens. And I, to me, yes, it's obviously winning the Cup is the ultimate goal, but if you want an indication of whether or not you are doing a good job building a team, that's what the regular season is for. That's what it comes from. And so it's clear that Ali Curtis has done a very good job building this team. Jesse March has done a very good job building and coaching this team. 
And it's just insane to me. Humans are so stupid. How can you guys not get along and figure this out? You have a great team. Why are you letting it blow up? I think that, yeah, that's the part that baffles me the most, is that this is a team that every year for the last four years has been a cup contender, just on paper, going into the season, has actually lived up to it in the regular season. But it's never that simple with the Red Bulls. I mean, the Rasen Ball Sport. It's never that simple. They always are just... Sort of a, 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 a in a glass case of emotion. I mean, it's just they cannot, <laughs> they cannot be stable for like two straight years and get it together. They're doing great, and they just can't. They're just they're just committed to scoring own goals on themselves. It's crazy. Yeah, and and as of right now, I don't think they have much of a defense to speak of either. It's going to be really interesting to see, man. We talk about. I mean, Minnesota. You know, are they behind the curve or like Atlanta? All these players. How do they fit together? Um, at least pre- they're not like crazy. Yeah. At least they're not totally insane. Exactly. It's not they're not taking an established core that has made it in the playoffs and made playoff runs in the past and won a supporter shield and looked at the captain of that club and just one guy wants to trade him, the other one doesn't, and they just trade him outright. I mean, um, I don't think the trade is bad. I just blows my mind that they are like you know that they're this is like a public feud that's getting out of the open about about it. Hey, man, that's New York. That's, uh, oh, got to feed the tabloids. New, New Jersey. <laughs> New Jersey, exactly. Yeah. It's not even if the, New York. If the tabloids covered Red Bull New York, it would be a lot better <laughs> for them. I think what they're trying to do, actually, is just, like, pitch this idea to New York City FC and Patrick Vieira and be like, yeah. hey, guys, I think that you and Claudio Bravo, or Claudio Reina should have a fight similar to this. Here's the New Jersey light version. <laughs> and then, much like The Bachelor this season, or so it's been explained to me, turn it into the biggest spectacle in the United States of America. Um, yeah, now I'm out of my depth. Yep, me too. So let's take a break. And when we come back, we are going to talk about Minnesota United. Um, we had a chance to speak with Joe Greenspan, Mohamed Saeed, Colin Warner, Brent Coleman after they've all been signed. Uh, Ibsen has been signed. We're going to talk about how these guys kind of fit into a midfield in particular, and then we'll take some Twitter questions. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the 55-1 Podcast. It's Jeff, it's Alex, and it's Minnesota United time. Um, we're at, what, 18 guys on the roster, Alex? Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. So we've got a bench. I think that's <laughs> that's how we'll look at this. We've got a bench now. We have an injured keeper who can't play for two months. And um, let's kick the ball. That's <laughs> Yeah, as, as Adrian Heath said, let's get on the grass. Let's Let's do it. And uh, no better place to find grass, by the way, than Arizona, which is where they've had it, so go figure. Um, there were a couple of media days last week that Wes and I covered independently. Um, the, the first one was Wes's media day, where he spoke with Joe Greenspan and Mohamed Saeed, spent a little bit more time with the Bhutan Ladi as well, um, just to kind of talk with them. We don't actually have the audio of any of these chats, and we don't have any sort of transcription of what he said um, so we we're just going to take a, a moment of reflection for what could have been Wes's impression of Joe Greenspan and Muhammad Saeed. Great. All right. That's, that's what that was worth. Um, was really moving. I teared up. I don't know about you. And uh, I'm going to put my piano away. So, Colin Warner, though. Oh, I got to talk to Colin Warner. And um, 
I'm actually, I was really impressed talking with him. He's a guy who was in kind of the Denver area. He says that he's good friends. Maybe he was just trying to name drop to, to get a little bit of bonus press from me, but um, that he's friends with Jeb Brofsky, which is all it takes to win my heart. Um, and yeah, he was talking about kind of his experience um, tri- moving around. He played in Real Salt Lake, played for Toronto for a really successful stretch, spent a year in Houston. Um, I mean, I got to talk to him, but I, I put up an article on 55.1 Monday morning. So check that out if you haven't yet. It's about him stamping his impact on Minnesota. But um, Alex, what stood out to you about Colin Warner? Well, I, I mean, I haven't met him, but I was Im- impressed by your being impressed by him. I mean, I, I think that he, people, he's like, he's like one of those players who you kind of roll your eyes at because he's a career MLS guy. He's sort of moved around. He's been picked in expansion draft before. Okay, okay, you know, not a super exciting signing. Mm-hmm. But you need these guys who are going to be in the engine room, you know, committing fouls, breaking up play, shielding the defense. And he had a he had a really good season last year for a bad team, um, but he stood out. And I think that that I think that that is a good recommendation for the guy. I, I mean, I think that, and when we'll get into this, but he is a type of player who we didn't have. And it was really key, I think, that we made sure that we signed him in the end because we needed a player who has his set of skills and 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 uh, plays the way he does. And yeah. I I I'm very happy that he's around. And and I watched the Facebook Live uh, interview that Jamie Watson did with him, um, in which Jeb Brovsky uh, submitted a question. Um, and uh, I was impressed by him too. He's a he's you know, smart and articulate and thoughtful, and he seemed very comfortable with himself and the way he plays and very confident about what he could bring to the team. And so I I think that that checks all my boxes. Sure. I mean, he has a really kind of interesting part in Toronto FC's history where he... Um, he was part of the reason that Matias Laba was traded. The fact that he was there and the club was confident that he could be a number six, let them trade Matias Laba to Vancouver so that they could in turn bring in Michael Bradley and... Um, Gilberto. Gilberto and Jermaine Defoe. <laughs> I forgot about Jermaine Defoe in Toronto already. So they could sign all three of them because they could trade their young DP uh, defensive midfielder. And Warner ended up being a part of a, a regular starter. I think he missed like eight games that year with injury or something. But he ended up being a regular starter alongside Michael Bradley as Toronto finally turned the corner. Kind so, of. Kind of. Yeah, and then the next year they did more so, obviously, this past year. But um, then he was traded for the 26th pick, which fell one pick after a trade a pick that Minnesota traded. So it was really... Um, he was traded from Toronto to Houston for a pick that ended up being a player whose name I blanked on already. But um, ended up getting selected. He had mentioned that he was hoping Minnesota would take him over Atlanta, selecting him in the expansion draft, that he'd heard more interest from Minnesota's side, having spoken to his agent, and that just in general, his his direct quote was, well, I don't really like the South. Yeah. So, My um, man. What a man. He's uh, he's at home. He's definitely not in the South in Minnesota. So um, he's a, well, well, here's a question for you then, because it's something that goes back to Heath's first press conference, where he... Adrian Heath mentioned that he wants players who want to play for Minnesota United. What does that mean? 
I mean, like, there's the obvious, like, someone who's, like, I know it's not New York, I know it's not Los Angeles, but Minnesota United seems like, but, like, what is it, I I guess I'm, I, I can't, I mean, it's a club that's never played a game in Major League Soccer, so it's kind of tough to identify, but why is that, to, is that something that should be the most important factor as you're looking at a team? I think it's really key. I think he's also, I mean, Heath is sort of, he's establishing a culture and an ethos that comes with the club. He recognizes that that's something that's needed. I think he's probably pretty right about that. And and this is me putting on my city planning hat for a moment, but <laughs> mm-hmm. one of the interesting things about Minneapolis-St. Paul is that it is of the top 25 markets in the country. It's something like 20th or 19th in attracting talent, right? The the big corporations in Minneapolis-St. Paul always complain about the in, how difficult it is to bring people to the Twin Cities. Um, but it is number one in retaining talent. So people who come then don't leave. Perhaps some of our listeners, um, you know, all, all five of them are, are aware of this phenomenon. Um, but I think that there's something to... I think there's something to it, really. There's sort of a self-selecting type of person who comes to the Twin Cities and then people tend to love it here and they tend to stick around for a while. Um, and I say here, uh, cognizant of the fact that I'm saying this from Philadelphia. <laughs> you, that you left Minnesota yourself, yeah. <laughs> for school, for school. I plead, <laughs> I plead innocence. Um, I, think that, I think that it's a really cool... I think that's, it has been a very revealing thing, hasn't it, that he said that because he's repeated it constantly and it's really been true of everything we've heard of everyone who's been signed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether it's the sort of a lot of the Scandinavian type players coming in or it's just the domestic players who have who have talked about wanting to be part of a new project and wanting to do something sort of special in Minnesota. Right. Um, I really, you know, it's it's just more than any player and more than the team itself as a fan, it has me just sort of rooting for the project because it's got this sort of good vibe of people who are really, who want to do something special coming together. Um, we'll see if they can, but, I, but I've really been happy with the sort of commitment that has been shown from the players, and I think that that started with Heath. And I, I think that'll, that'll have to continue. I mean, that's something that last year when I was talking to guys like Brovsky, like Danny Cruz, like Ben Spees, they would always say, you know, this seems like a place that would be a good place to raise a family. And so if you look at a lot of these players who are not just considering themselves, um, you know, and who might be saying like, yeah, the glamour of playing in LA, the glamour of playing in New York might be something to look for. But if I've got a family, um, this is a place that um, it feels right for Jamie Watson, you know, who we talked about last week, mm-hmm. he had offers on the table of NSL, NASL sides. Um, and I know of one or two clubs in Florida that had offers for him, but and he has deep roots in Florida. He does, yeah. I mean, his wife is from Orlando, and uh, he's 30, so he could have kept playing. But the idea of staying in Minnesota in some capacity, and for him, I mean, continuing his career um, and starting a new career seemed to be a better fit for him. So Jabrowski right. is still here. So you know. Yep, Jeb's still here, um, and that's that's something that we'll touch on a little bit later here, but um, he might still be here after all after that. Um, there were a couple of other players who have been announced from the NASL roster as these names kind of just keep trickling through. We're running out of guys from the 2016 loons who haven't signed yet. Um, so maybe somewhere. We'll, yeah. Somewhere. Yeah, so we'll, we'll maybe touch on those a little bit later. But Ibsen and Brent Coleman were both announced today as we're recording this on a Monday. Um, 
they they both have very different stories of how they ended up on this roster. Brent Coleman uh, went to Creighton, ended up playing a little bit with the Des Moines Menace, and then signed with Minnesota United in 2014. Um, slowly worked his way up the ranks, became something of a rotation guy in 2015, and was one of the most regular starters, along with Justin Davison, uh, Christian Ramirez, on last year's United side. So, um, general thoughts on him. I mean, it, it, it's a natural progression for his career, too. He's still, what, 25, 26, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Do you have any other thoughts about him, first local guy? Well, he yeah, his his story is pretty good. I don't think anyone can say that, you know, he's on he's on the on the team just because he's just because he's a uh, you know a, a Minnesota guy. Um, I think that people can say that he is on the team because he is. Uh, I think that I think that people can say that he's on the team because he. Um, has worked really hard to to make it happen and he's continued to improve every year and um I think that he will bring something to the club. I don't think he's going to start immediately, but he's by all accounts a very hard worker and his trajectory so far has been positive, so it makes a ton of sense to bring him in. Center back is such a deep group here for Minnesota right now, which is something that I don't think I've ever said. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you're looking at it and you've got uh, Vadim Demidov and Francisco Calvo really seem like they're going to be the starters from week one. Mm-hmm. Um, both international players, both required, um, I think both required targeted allocation money, which, which shows that there's an extra level of commitment to these guys. Um, you've got Joe Greenspan, who came in in a trade with Colorado Rapids, um, is also hungry for his chance to sign. He's a six foot six center back, too, so he's got a physicality with him um, and a mentality being a Navy cadet, too. And then you've got Brent Coleman. So that's a that's a really good four man rotation in my book at least. Um, yeah, but, it's really it, it, we've sort of paid for it by not having anyone in other positions, but um, <laughs> it is really exciting to have. Yeah. But yeah, I would be if if our starting center backs were Brent Coleman and Joe Greenspan, I wouldn't feel so bad in a game. I mean, maybe we'll see what happens if it does happen and they get lit up, but uh, but on paper. I'm pretty happy. I'm, I'm more than pretty happy. I'm, I'm really overjoyed with these four guys. I think um, this is fantastic. I would be cool seeing Coleman Greenspan tested out in a preseason game or two, like the Portland Invitational when the team's oh, had I, almost a month of gel. I'm not advocating for it, but I'm saying <laughs> that if injuries happen, I mean, I'll make it so. I think It that, wouldn't be the worst No, thing. I won't. Okay. I won't be panicking. I won't, you know. All right, and that's, that's all that matters for Minnesota United <laughs> fan base. <laughs> Uh, Jezza Penguin asks, who are each of your favorites to be captain heading into the season? Um, I'd say it's Vadim Demidov, who's been captain of his side the last four years, helped in a promotion battle. Um, 30, just seems to be like an absolute warrior on the field. Um, was it him who, his wife said that in interviews that she doesn't recognize Vadim when he's playing on the field compared to who he is off the field? Yeah, that's what he said. Yeah, I I think you're right. I think it'll be, I think it'll be Demidov. Yep. All right. Well, good discussion there. Um, Let's go for the the second signing of the day, which is Ibsen. Um, Sorry, Champions League veteran Ibsen. Um, (laughs) The Norwegian Norwegian playwright Ibsen. (laughs) Henrik Ibsen. Yep. Um, Bring the seagull to the loons. It's uh, it's a signing for Minnesota that I'll also turn. Is the seagull an Ibsen play? I think so. Yeah. I thought that was Chekhov. 
Oh, you're right. That's Chekhov. Wes is Wes is rolling in his grave. Well, Wes, if it was like a French playwright, I I even have a, a theater degree. I should know this, but um, Lo Siento, Jeff Turner, if you're listening, my former college advisor, I have failed you. Oh my gosh. Uh, I should have mentioned a Doll's House. That would have been the safer yeah, choice. There we go. There we go. Redemption. <laughs> I studied the Doll House. I got this. Peter um, Gid. Oh man. Okay. Hit a gal. Okay. Ibsen turns the center of the midfield into both a, a place of depth and also kind of a lopsided affair, at least in my book. I mean, Ibsen, at his best last year, was a guy who could go box to box, kind of shuttle the ball. He'd get the ball most likely from Tiago Calvano, um, take it on the edge of the defensive box, uh, dribble it up, kind of make his chances, try to pass it off to Spees or pass it off to Cruz. Um, and that was kind of when he thrived. That's when he seemed most comfortable on the field. Is there... I, well, let's just go right into Jake Hamish's question, which touches this exactly. How does Ibsen play into this team? I see a lot of eights and not a lot of sixes. Um, and he's talking about the difference between a box-to-box midfielder being an eight and a defensive midfielder being a six. Um, how does Ibsen play in this team, man? I, I'm I still really trying to figure this out. Yeah, it's a really interesting question. I think that we have... Assuming Rasmus Schuller signs, which news came out today from Sweden that, that seems to make that pretty certain, um, we have Schuller, who's at TAM level yeah, number eight. We have um, Ibsen, who I don't really know what his best position is, but I, yeah, I guess that's a number eight. And we have Mohamed Saeed, who I was obviously a huge fan of, and I was so happy we picked him in an expansion draft. He is as reliable as they come in, in that position. Um, I think we have we have two, uh, maybe three, number eight players who have a good case for uh, some serious minutes. Um, we also have three guys who I would not feel, given what we've heard, at least about Schiller, and what I know about Saeed and what we know about Ibsen, I would not feel comfortable with them as the defensive midfielder. No. Um, and I don't, and I guess Schuler might be able to play as a number ten, although we we seem to have um, Venegas penciled in there. But but I, I, Schuler could probably play more forward. Ibsen, I don't think is best in that position. He played um, a lot of that position when he was over um, in Europe in his Porto days. Um, his yeah. Early career, he was mostly. Um, but I think you're right. I think that. For a player like him, his skill set, especially looking at the the landscape of Major League Soccer right now, is as like a central midfield guy. It's um, just going to be tough to include all these guys. It's going to be a real challenge. I mean, that's the other position besides center back where we have a lot of depth in that central midfield role. And, and maybe, we have striker, we have young depth. We yeah, have a lot of young yeah. Unproven potential. depth, but a lot exactly. of potential. Yeah. But, but in that number eight role, I mean, maybe, maybe you play... Schuller and Saeed side by side as sort of dual sixes and just one, you know, knows to stay home. They're smart players. One stays home and the other, uh, the other goes forward. Maybe that's the way you play. I would love to see that kind of thing happen because I, I think that Saeed is probably the best simple passer on the team and, and, and the highlights that I've seen from Schuller and his reputation indicate to me that he should, he's probably the best sort of dynamic through-the-lines passer that we will have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and Ibsen is a guy who likes to break defenses with the ball at his feet. He likes to dribble. He likes to, you know, sort of dribble around. 
so there are different looks that we can have, but it's it is definitely hard to see how they get on the field together, and it's in it without sacrificing something. Right. Like I don't, the defense. I mean, Colin oh, Warner, certainly. as that as we said before, is that is that number that sort of no nonsense number six, that no nonsense defensive midfielder, and that's something we really need. And it just seems he seems pretty penciled into that spot. I'd completely agree with that. I, I think that without Warner, there was a lot of liability as you looked at how this midfield could be set up. Um, we, we touched on this already a little bit, but none of them, uh, of Saeed, of Schuler, of Ibsen, are defensive-based players. Of the, th- I mean, last year, Mohamed Saeed filled in for Columbus when Will Trapp was having his concussion issues as a number six, and he got torched. And that's no slight against him as a player, but he's just not used to playing... Um, focusing on the defensive side. He likes making those passes like, all over the field and kind of spraying the ball and making sure that he can create chances. Um, he's did a it, shuttler. You know, he's a shuttler type player. Yeah, and, and whereas Ibsen's also a shuttler in a sense where he's the shuttle. <laughs> and he's uh, he is shuttling the ball all over the field. And that doesn't really fly if you're looking to have a defensive midfielder. And if you're looking at Adrian Heath's teams from 2015 and early 2016 in Orlando, that's one of the biggest liabilities of those teams was that they didn't have a defensive midfielder who was capable enough to just stay parked. Well, and shut down. Had, I mean, if they had, like, if they Christian had Nugita, but but they didn't have. I, I would say it's actually. I would disagree. Actually, sorry. I, I would say it's the opposite. I don't think they had a, number, a quality number eight. Um, I think they, Nugita they certainly was the didn't num- have an eight. But Nugita well, was also. I mean. 19, 20 at the time, right. and, and he yeah. didn't necessarily, like, if you had, like, a Kyle Beckerman, I think mm-hmm. that's, or, or like an Ozzy Alonso, Diego Chara, somebody who's just gonna be able to do those kind of nagging, because st- there were a lot of counterattacks that would come in on Orlando, yeah. and yet he's able to just pick up their jerseys, draw a foul, not get a card, stop the ball, and be able to get the defense to set back up. There wasn't a player like that in Orlando. Aguita, I, I hope, could become that player. Um, but I just I hadn't seen that as of yet, especially in 2015. I'm higher on Higita, but uh, to me I would I would pinpoint again the weakness is like you know they're playing Servando Carrasco as the number you know running around as the number eight, um, or, and and I think that they also did not have and they still do not have good central defenders. So I can it's kind of funny I can see in the way that Heath has has approached, you know with this roster I see a lot of Orlando it's sort of the inverse in in some ways of what Orlando did I think that we have a much stronger central defense and I think that we have a number of people who can play that number 8 role and that's the reverse of what was the case with Orlando I think um, Absolutely. I think I think that a lot of the, a lot of the questions with with Orlando are not our questions and a lot of our questions are were not Orlando's questions at all Yeah no that's totally fair so it's like it's kind of like a I don't know if I'd even call it an overcompensation because I do think there are some good attacking pieces here. Um, but just, you're right. I think that there's been a lot, of, a lot of focus that's been put on what has been. Uh, let's talk about uh, Tanner Thompson, not Twelman, um, for just a, a hot minute here. Um, he was taken in the fourth round of the draft. He is the son of former Minnesota, is it the Kicks or the Strikers, that Greg Thompson played for? I have um, no idea. 70s, early 80s player for the Minnesota team. So it's, it's really cool that they've got a... Uh, you know, the kind of someone who's has ties, albeit kind of loosely, to Minnesota his, soccer history. Um, and of course, he's the brother to uh, to Tommy Thompson, the uh, uh, yeah, the Seattle, uh, the, the San Jose Earthquakes uh, attacking midfielder who is busy being ruined by Dom Kinnear. The apple of my particular eye. Thank you yeah. very much, uh, Tanner. T- or, 
they're way too, and they're all start. They're all alliterations oh. too. Tommy Thompson is to me what Dylan Powers is to Wes, which is the young American. I don't know. Is Harry Ship your guy? You you no. can claim. You can. I don't like Harry Ship. Well, yeah, I. I think you no, need to have Christian Roldan. I'm not sure. So just the, no. the young American uh, attacking midfielder whose talent kind of gets squandered by the, the the coach he's in and who we would have loved to see come into Minnesota from the beginning of this and would have absolutely flourished in Minnesota, and we can't have him. So I'll have, Wes, I'll have, I'll have to think this through. That's important. Uh, we'll, we'll let you think about this until the questions. Um, one American, number 10, who is leaving Minnesota is Ben Spees. Spees was uh, linked to the New York Cosmos, was close to signing for the Cosmos, and then ultimately went to Indy 11. I think that's a good fit for him, actually. Um, they play a 4-4-2, which would be a little interesting to see how he lines up, but they did lose Dylan Mares. Um, do you think that Spees could work out wide, kind of in the Dylan Mares role? Yeah, probably. Is, yeah. And I think it'll be a comfortable fit for him. He's closer to home. Um, Indy are apparently a good team, uh, as we learned last <laughs> year. Um, I I think that it makes a lot of sense. I'm sad Indy lost Dylan Mares, though. I liked Dylan Mares a lot. Where did Dylan Mares go? Is that is he a Miami guy? Yes, he went to Miami. Uh, yep. Figures. Yeah. That was a lazy, <laughs> easy guess by me. Um and then do you want to talk about the, the preseason for a little bit? looks like we got some Oh, travel. yeah, this, they announced, uh, Minnesota United announced the preseason schedule. Uh, they are playing in uh, just just seven days from when you when you listen to this, on January 31st against the New England Revolution. Um, in February 3rd, they're playing against uh, NK Istra. I forget where they're from, but they're a European team. Croatia? Eastern Europe, yeah, Balkans mm-hmm. area. Um, then there's the Portland tournament, which we've known about for a while. Whitecaps, Timbers, RSL. And then they are uh, heading to Orlando to finish preseason. They will play a scrimmage against Toronto. Um, and then uh, San Antonio uh, F- FC, uh, the sort of reincarnated version of the of the, of the Scorpions. Um, that'll be interesting, obviously, because... Yeah, well, we have a question about that. Well, that'll be interesting <laughs> because because San Antonio, obviously, will, will be... Um, not too deep into their preseason, they'll be kind of like we were last year in the Portland Invitational. Oh, so the glory days. So That's we should, right. No, hopefully we win at least 4-0. Um, and that they will have two players get red cards in the yeah. first half, and mm-hmm. you'll wonder why you even watched the rest of the match. Well, it's San Antonio, so you take whatever the expected red card total is and you multiply it by, you know, two <laughs> or three. You know, I actually asked Manny... Uh, and Eric Durkee, uh last week, if there was any plan in the works to bring Alan Marcina back to San Antonio for that one match, um, just to get him on the sideline, and, I, and then Manny would have been on the sideline in this kind of dream scenario of mine. But uh, no, I just want to know what I just want to know what's happened to Kevin Harms. Yeah. Oh, I want to know what happened to all of them. Do you remember when it was like actually? fun and interesting to play against the Scorpions, or when you played against the Scorpions, for that matter. When you, when you just knew that there was going to be something really stupid that was going to happen late in the game. It was beautiful. Loved yeah. it. Miss it. Oh. Um, so, yeah, that's a, that's that's the preseason. That's a, that's a busy preseason. I actually do... Um, this is kind of a change of pace from previous seasons where Minnesota would go to Brazil for two weeks or ten days and then go to Mexico or go to England Um and, and last year, I, I remember talking to some players who said that they got tired out and never really felt like they were opening day fit 
because they're so exhausted from sitting in planes. Um, mm. And this kind of minimizes that. It certainly well, does. Yeah. They're going to be in a lot of planes. Um, but Co- uh, Cozier flights, though. It's not yeah, flying to England. You know, so hopefully this does um, kind of change that. Um, let's just dive right into questions here, uh, because I think that this covers a lot more of the Minnesota United things that I want to talk about. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, Nathan Duin at Nathan3e asks, any chance at all that Sammy Najak uh, returns? You confused me on Sammy Najak earlier this week, Alex. <laughs> well, uh, you know, if if in in two weeks there isn't a goalkeeper on the roster, I think that Sammy is probably available. Um, but the real answer is that we've I don't think we've had any indication that he will return. Um, I think that one of the big problems is that he would take up an international spot, and those are fairly precious. Um, and I love Sammy, and I want him to return, but I don't think it's going to happen. And then today we also heard, oh, how do you pronounce his last name? There was a a goalkeeper um, who's been linked to Minnesota United as well, who's a 34-year-old, got a lot of good experience, seems like he could be a a really good um, goalkeeper, but he would be an international player as well. So um, Yeah, he's a uh, 34-year-old Swedish goalkeeper named John Alv... Alboja, Albo, Alboja. That uh, sounds right. Kind of confusing last name, but the A with the hat is pronounced like the like an O, uh, like an a O with a hat. Yeah. I like um, that. But uh, is Swedish. He's got he he um, he in the two thousand six World Cup. He was the Swedish third goalkeeper. Um, he's played almost his I think his entire career in the Allsvenskan. Um, he is experienced. He, uh, his top highlight on YouTube is a terrible own goal, or not a terrible own goal, just terrible goalkeeping. Um, so he's but, perfect for Minnesota. But, but he has, he has other good highlights. Um, I think that he is, it's hard to know what to make of him. I mean, clearly we know that Adam Quarse was the team's top choice. Um, that kind of got scuttled. Um, they're going and looking at this guy. Um, he seems completely adequate, um, it does not seem I, I like a long-term solution no, of that position, but maybe I, with more time they can figure out who they want. And I think that's part of it. I mean, he'll turn 35 during the summer, so he's yeah. probably a two-year plan if he is brought in. Um, but looking over kind of what the, the, the Swedish press has written about him, um, talking with people who have seen him play in person and stuff like that, I... I I, I don't think he's just adequate. I think that he truly is a player who could come in and be a top 10 Major League Soccer goalkeeper um, just off of his ability and his intellect as well. So I, he would actually be quite a diamond in a rough kind of find, someone who was on nobody's radar, and that's part of the reason I haven't tried to predict what goalkeeper will be in, um, aside yeah. from saying like really lazy things like Zach McMath should move, well, um, which he should. I'm really disappointed um, in in this guy because he's another Swede, and we already have a Swede on the roster. We need an Iceland. Uh, we need someone from Iceland. We need a Dane, and we need a Faroese Islander. And that's that's the mo- that's the my guy the is find. is is Gunnar Nielsen, who is the Faroese national goalkeeper. He's 30 years old. He was on the books at Man City once, never played. He's playing now in Iceland. <laughs> Um, but I saw a highlight video of him playing against Germany, and he was impressive. So I'm I'm just saying I've I've already tweeted this to Nick Rogers and received no response. Well, um, but that's I'm the club. Really disappointed uh, right. that, that, that my advice, my player personnel advice, is not being followed. 
<laughs> well, this guy sounds like he'd be okay, but you're right, it wouldn't complete the set. Chris Hockman at Chris H Sport asks, how much are you looking forward to the San Antonio friendly? Should Sting make an appearance? This was directly to Wes, and uh, they, they, they tweeted back and forth a little bit more, and it sounds like Chris Hockman might actually know where Sting's corpse is. Um, Whoa, that's a game changer. So we might see, I'm just saying, we might see Sting during the San Antonio FC friendly. I mean, um, when, when San Antonio Scorpions disbanded, I wanted to buy Sting. I really wanted to buy Sting. I oh thought... Oh my god, yeah. I mean, I, I didn't know like where to start, you know, but I thought that, that that would be like the ultimate trophy. I mean, we could just have PK, Foot Foot Loon, beating up, you know, Sting a la the Minnesota Wild, um, you know, just, just, just center, <laughs> center field every, every, every I'm game. Just, I mean, I'm I think that would have been incredible. Them going into a brawl and going under a tarp or running into the tunnel or something, and uh, PK runs out holding Sting's head like a trophy, like oh. some some poorly staged version of Macbeth, and the crowd just goes crazy, and you've just got fake blood dripping from... Oh, oh, come on, if, if, if Sting had, had been for sale, the Dark Clouds would have raised the money to buy it in, you know, five seconds. No, I mean, no. it would have it would have, it would have sold out faster than the last MLS Cup. It or would have, it would have <laughs> also hit its goal quicker than Lundell Golrisian did. Um, <laughs> oh, God. I'm so excited for that. I haven't heard, actually, um, if Notch has gotten that yet, but, man, I hope so. But he better. <laughs> he better, and he better wear it. I think it was four games a year. Um, Minnesota Sports Geek asks, is the opening day right wing on the roster right now? Um, the candidates for right wing on the roster right now could be... I'm just going to name a bunch of names, and then I'm going to ask you to tell me if one of these guys will start. We've got Abu Dunladi out of position. We've got Femi Hollinger-Jensen out of position. We've got Johan Venegas probably out of position. Miguel Obara switching sides to the right. Um, we've heard enough, or I'm, I'm confident enough that Bernardo and Yor will come back where I'm going to throw him into the mix for you too. Uh, Merry Christmas. Um, do any of those five players sound like they'll be the opening day starter right wing to you, Alex? Um, they don't. I think the most plausible is probably Ibarra because there was that, that article that came out recently that said that Minnesota was put in an offer for a uh, for a left a left sided player, this guy Carlos de Pena from from mm. Middlesbrough. I don't know how much there is into that, but that's really all I have right now. Oh, so I, I, I guess I can, I can help you out here quick. There's nothing to it. Um, okay, well. I did. I did ask around a little bit. Um, I flew over to England and asked, and yeah. that was a, a writer who saw that Minnesota and Atlanta both needed almost a dozen players and said he could be a fit for one of those. The only real targets in that article, Atlanta's actually one of them, and San Jose is the other one. But Minnesota will not have Carlos De Pena unless something. Uh, masterfully changes over the next month. So anyway, back to you. Well, then there we go. I think that it is unlikely that the starting right wing is on the roster currently. Who would you want? I of anyone. I mean, I, I would. <laughs> Usman Dembele. Oh. That's who I'd want. Yeah. No, a player like a Kevin Molina would be absolutely perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah that uh, would be. A player like, you know, it seems like Josh Gatt was trialing in in the. In, in Germany, but a player like him would also be perfect. That's the kind of player I'd be looking for. I, I like the uh, the tap dance as you're describing where Josh Gatt was in trial. Um, oh, I don't know what happened with that. I mean, I don't know if he signed or not. Maybe No, no more so because it was at Nuremberg. And 
there were a lot of a lot of yeah. careful writers who were trying not to talk about him being a Nuremberg trialist. Yeah. Um, so that good was, work. Uh, yeah, it was difficult. Uh, Matt Axelson, M.W. Axelson asks, is there any word on Jebrowski's status? Glad to hear it sounds like they're still keeping a temp check on him. That's in reference to an interview that Adrian Heath gave to a few writers last week where he mentioned that the club was going to kind of keep tabs on Brovsky and when he is healthy, uh, give him a tryout and possibly sign him for the rest of the year. Um, I think you answered that tweet <laughs> right yay. there. I think that that's it. We don't know think- anything more than that. Man, they need Jeb Browski, though. If you look at, like, the two areas of the pitch where they have the least depth, aside from right, right wing and goalkeeper, it's uh, defensive midfield and fullback, and those are two positions that Browski plays. Yeah, I agree. And he's, he's, I mean, we know this. He's a great locker room guy. It's fantastic. I'd, I'd love to have Jeb around. I mean, he is around. I'd love to have him on that team. No doubt. Um, Dan Tharp at Coach Dan Tharp says, with the Scandinavian trip proving very worthwhile with signings, can we expect any more from the South American trip? Um, Minnesota United has, after if if the goalkeeper signs and if Rasmus Schuler goes through, then they're at what six international players, I think. Um, yeah, I think that's right. Okay, so they'd have two more spots to eight. work with. Yeah. yeah. So yes, I mean in theory there could be. Um, you might get two more Scandinavian players. Um, but I haven't heard of any serious targets. I don't know. Um, Alex, do you have any sort of insight on the South American trip? No, we haven't heard anything about that. It's, Dan asks a good question because, um, we have recruited pretty heavily from Scandinavia, um, and basically, you know, the Costa Rica trip clearly was worth it, but we haven't heard about it from the time that they went to Argentina. Um, maybe we will, but um, but for now, I, we haven't heard much. Yeah, and it, it seems like a trip, like, on paper, when it was announced, it sounded like such a good idea, um, and that it just it made so much sense. But, uh, yeah, for whatever reason, Costa Rica and Scandinavia were more fruit, which makes sense. I mean, there are probably fewer scouts who were at the Costa Rica and Scandinavian games compared to the South American markets. And maybe it bears fruit, you know, next year. I mean, it, these scouting trips, A, are constantly going on, and we probably won't hear about most of them after the season starts mm-hmm. um, because it'll be Amos McGee, you know. But, uh, I mean, I think that, they don't necessarily need to pay off immediately. A lot, a lot of teams sign players after, you know, tracking them for for a year or more. So, mm-hmm. we'll yep. see. Um, last question here: Little Miss subtweet at and kittens asks Loons making the MLS squad. Um, I think she's referring to the players who are on the twenty sixteen side. Sure, they're great players at the NASL level. How do you think they'll fare in MLS? Um, we talked about this a little bit, in particular with Ibsen and Brent Coleman. Um, I think that, in particular, I'm very high on Christian Ramirez and Miguel Ibarra. Um, I think Christian can score double-digit goals in Major League Soccer. I went on. Um, I, I, I've pretty much said that every chance I can. Um, if he gets playing time and he has the right distribution, uh, I don't see any reason Christian Ramirez wouldn't be able to score 10 goals. Um, though I will say Will Bruin has never scored 10 goals in his career. I think his career high is 8 or 9. So <laughs> if he's the litmus test for success, um, Christian can have a long, successful career in Major League Soccer without scoring 10 goals. Chad um, Barrett. Chad Barrett, there you go. We I think we had four straight podcasts with the Chad Barrett reference. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> As it should be. Every, every single week. Brad. We haven't brought back the Nagby Nugget in months, but we definitely have brought back Chad Barrett. Um, I don't know. I mean, with these guys who played in the NASL side last year, Alex, how do you, um, how do you see them doing? That's like a, you know, I mean, that's the question everyone kind of wants to know. Um, it's not like we've poured, you know, brought the entire team over, but we're definitely, there are guys like uh, Christian, um, kind of Miguel, mm-hmm. um, Brent, obviously, and especially the fullbacks who currently are starting because we don't have any competition for them, uh, Justin right. and, and, and Kevin. I mean, that's the big question is, is um, how are these guys going to, to do? I expect that a couple of them will succeed, and I think it's also probably fair to say that a couple of them won't. Um, that is a very wishy-washy answer, but I don't... It's hard to... It's, it's just... It's hard to project who is going to stick and who isn't. Um, and sometimes it comes down to finding the right niche... Um, you know, like I think that, example, like Lance Lang, I think is a talented player, but he just clearly did not fit in what Minnesota was trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I think that that's just sort of a, in a microcosm, a, an example of how it really needs to be a good fit for, for a player. I mean, it's something, that, for, it's something like, that you and I have talked about actually before, which is that there isn't as much of a difference between like... Um, a league average or replacement level if you're an analytic guy or gal um a league level a league <laughs> a league replacement level player and in a major league soccer and then kind of one of the more consistent contributors in the NASL those type of players are very similar in a lot of different ways what sets them apart is consistency you know mm-hmm. it's it's the fact that a guy like uh uh, Tom Heineman, you know, he's, he's mm-hmm. in bursts. You can see him being uh, a reliable goal, goal scorer in, in, in NASL. The playoffs only. In the playoffs, yep. And when it matters most, I mean, the, you'll find these games that were like near playoff games for Tampa Bay last year where he'd suddenly score a goal and yeah. then he would just go hiding in the rest. Um, you know, and, and that's the difference. Matt Fondy is kind of the same way. He had a year in, uh, was it Chicago or Chivas? They're kind of he's, the same to me. I think um, he might have been with both, actually. That sounds right, actually, doesn't know. it? Um, but he couldn't latch on because of the consistency, <laughs> and then Jacksonville, same consistency, you're right. and now then he with went Carolina to USL North Carolina, and he's found a little bit more. was um, incredibly successful. That's kind of what he... sets him apart yeah. to me. You know, it's just a matter of being able to consistently do it. Um, the difference between having 10 games where you look like a starter and 25, you know, yeah, and, and and I think that there might be some twists. I mean, for Ibsen, for example, you know, constantly seemed sort of frustrated with the level of play in NASL, and sometimes frustrated yeah. with what his teammates were doing. Maybe he he gets better in MLS because teammates are are better. Uh, I don't know. It's plausible. I'm not sure I believe it, but it's possible. Yeah. You just don't really know, you know? Yep. You never know until you see it. It's it's so hard to say. And we've still got a month or more of just guessing rather than being able to see it. So. Oh, but it's going to be so great to see just the crappy sideline highlight videos. I, I'm just waiting for that so badly. <laughs> we're, we're close, man. We're in oh, range. Man, um, make it happen. Anything else, Minnesota United, other that you want to talk about this week? I think we've covered it all. I think we covered it all. Um, so thank you, listener, for listening once again to the 551 Podcast. Uh, Wes will probably be back next week unless China signs him away. Um, 
Alex, uh, thanks for being here. Where can the people find you on Twitter? Uh, at Alex Chief. Easy enough. Uh, I'm at Jeff Reuter as well. Uh, if you like what you hear, give us a rating on iTunes, even if you don't use iTunes as your platform, just like make a fake account or something, um, <laughs> and give like an alternative review where you say that the podcast is awesome or something. Um, and those alternative facts will help uh, shape the podcast for the next four years. Ouch. Uh, so thank you. Really, Lost uh, half our listenership right there. <laughs> stick to soccer, man. Um, yeah, so definitely subscribe if you don't already. Uh, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher. I don't know if you can actually subscribe on Google Play. I think you can add it to your library. Um, find us on Twitter. Uh, tweet us your questions. Read the articles. Share the articles. Embrace the articles. Become one with the articles. And uh, we'll see you in the comment sections over at 551. Thanks.